everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Bind. This is your host, Andrea. I am ready to jump in with today's topic, which is going to be a fun one to, to think through. Uh, so this is the one that came to mind to me today after just a couple of days of processing with clients. And the quote I'm going to begin with is, most of us want change and few of us want to move. Oh boy, is that true or what? And if you don't believe me that very few of us want to move, I want for some of you out there who are in intimate relationships, this is one of the easiest places to find this, intimate relationships and maybe parent-child relationships depending on uh, a few circumstances. Uh, So I want you to take a look at that relationship if you happen to have that type or have had that type of relationship. And think back on the amount of times that you assumed that some sort of change in your partner's behavior would lead to the outcomes you are desiring to see within the relationship. Now, trust me, I've been doing this work for a while, so I know where some of your minds are going. And um, we have to be really careful here because some people are probably internalizing that shame that we've been working really hard to keep people from from feeling like it's it's all my fault because it's not. It's not your fault um, that you're asking someone to move and, and today we're exploring, well, what does it look like to ask someone else to move when you are the one who wants to see the change? And what I want to encourage you on is this isn't all-inclusive that it is your fault I want to hold you accountable for your personal growth, but I want for you to understand in the most loving way that you you are not accountable for somebody else's work. So if you notice you are one of those people who realize, oh, I've got to do my work and yet like things in your life aren't changing because of the work somebody else is doing understand that's not that's not your work and you can ask um well you can't ask my clients because you don't get to know who they are but if you happened to know one of my clients one of the big things that we process all of the time is distinguishing between the work that's mine and the work that's not mine and when we do this attachment relational work it's not like the people in my world are not merely dependent on my work my functionality in my relationships with others is also dependent on their work. It is possible that you have one individual who causes a lot of rifts in in relationships. And so it could be that there is a singular person within a system that is uh, inflexible. Honestly, that is one of those topics that I would love to do uh, with a group of people where we're all processing it out because it's very complex. And um, who are any of us to discern the degree to which someone um, should be empathized with or shouldn't be empathized with? We, we just don't know a lot of people's stories and what keeps someone immobile. And there's a lot of complexities that, that go into that. But for the sake of this particular podcast, it's going to be one of those ones that challenges you to ask, uh, what am I, as a person who is doing the work and who is in it, can I look into the mirror and discern if I have been willing to process my own hesitations and reservations that come with the idea of making changes that can heal the negative loops in, in the uh, relationship that we're talking about here. 
So what might this look like? What's a good example? So I told you all that you could do this reflecting on um, most likely your intimate partnerships uh, and potentially in your parent-child relationships, uh, depending on the circumstances of how that family dynamic was set up. Uh, So I'm thinking of one case in particular where I have a client who um, we we did a lot of pre-marital work and preparation. I know um, we're all kind of chuckling out there because the marriage itself is the work. Uh, so you can do a couple of things to set a foundation for uh, walking into a partnership with somebody, but uh, so much of that work is, uh, it, it unfolds in real time, and you really just have that core foundation that you established prior to being married to rely on as a resource, uh, trying to navigate what it looks like going from a single individual to an individual in partnership. With this particular client, they were bringing to me a lot of fears and apprehensions about their partner's struggle with uh, depression. And what their partner's um, depressed moods looked like was a lot of immobility. So what, what my, my client began to do was um, she tried safeguarding herself uh, in, in the fears she had about uh, things they may face in their marriage. Um, she, she began safeguarding herself by identifying the things he was expected to be as a husband. And I think that that happens pretty often. I've got to tell you, okay, guys, I have to disclose to you, I'm currently uh, seeking my my PhD in clinical sexology. And uh, some of the classes that I take has to do with masculinity. And I love that conversation. Uh, as an egalitarian, egalitarian uh, feminist, I love when men can be autonomously healthy within their system. And I don't think that enough men feel empowered to do that. And right now we're in this huge women's movement in society and we're making lots and lots of space for women as we should because that's going to shake out and even out the equality among men and women. But I, I fear that in in doing that work, it kind of leaves men in this vague space of, okay, well, where does that leave me? And what identity do I cling to? What is masculine? What is not masculine? Is chivalry allowed? Is sexuality allowed? Uh, There is a whole lot of vague space for men. And they're not, it's not like they're the ones that are in the inner circle that, you know, the, the, proctor asks, hey, does anybody have any questions? Like the men don't get to raise their hand a whole lot and say, oh, I need to know about this. Because it's it's a very much women have the floor right now kind of uh, place and culture. And and so as as my client is talking about the things that she expects her husband to uh, be for the marriage and the value set, because they have their they have their value sets, the things that brought them together as a couple, the things that told them that they would align as a good married couple and be a decent fit for one another. Like this was their formula of putting together their relationship. And now my client is having her own struggles. And, uh, and I will tell you, like, I know my client, I know the things that she is battling with. And a lot of this is her work. She's not even married yet. It's not the marriage's work yet. There might be some relational things that are happening, but we're, we're not, processing much of the relationship in session we're processing her work and so when she comes to me and says I just want him 
to be this in our relationship. My client informed me that she wants her husband to be the leader that uh, he that the man needs to be in the household. And I'm sitting there, and this is a very common thing for women to say. I've heard this multiple times in my therapy room. Even as a woman, even as a woman who is married, I keep asking this question. Can you tell me what it means for a man to quote unquote lead the household? That confuses me. And then um, any woman, and it depends on each individual, what their definition of household leadership looks like. And so it's very subjective. And as my client was unfolding who she believes her husband, or excuse me, at that time, her husband to be, who he needs to be, is a lot of it really boiled down to her own vulnerabilities. The things that she wasn't able to acknowledge or she may not have necessarily known like the tool set to utilize to cultivate and work on these things for herself and so we had to do that hard work where I I went in and asked her very gently because there could very well be and I am always willing to say to somebody there is a good possibility that this legitimately is the issue of your partner but let's be willing let's let's turn every stone and be willing to explore if some of this is actually my work that I'm projecting onto my partner because that can happen so often in partnerships it's uh, this is attachment this is what we talked about in our last session about sue johnson we try to unravel and work out repetitive loops that have been common themes in our partnerships and sometimes the we we get stuck in the loops because we don't recognize i keep asking my partner to change and i am hoping that in my partner changing something that that's going to fix the thing that i keep trying to unravel for myself And that's not the case. I tell my clients all the time, I can't expect for my husband to jump in and rescue me from the independent parts of the core of who I am any more than than he could expect that of me with the independent parts of his core. We come alongside of each other and in our health, we support one another. But at the end of the day, I am accountable from the core of my identity, just as my partner is. Uh, and and um, if I do do my work, if I can acknowledge I am doing the work to try to shift patterns within my body and things aren't shifting, then we can turn and we can say, okay, I have turned every stone here. Uh, my support network is telling me that I am doing all of the right things. I am asking the right questions and things still aren't changing. Then we get to turn and we get to evaluate, is this partnership or relationship the healthiest thing for you to be in? So that's the that's sort of your caveat warning of, yeah, we're going to talk about the work that is yours, but do know I understand that sometimes it is somebody else's work that's impeding your wellness. So what that translates to from a, it's my work and I'm in a relationship standpoint is how do we begin to ask hard introspective questions to begin siphoning out Things that are happening as a result of my unresolved pieces of life versus something uh, the person I'm in relationship with might, I, I assume that they are doing something to cause turmoil for for me. When you do this kind of work, what I want to encourage you to think about is you have to be very intentional 
to um, acknowledge various parts of your life and as well as various value sets that help you to establish a sense of self-identity. So what that looks like, you might be able to explore um, how, like, what are my views about financial identity? What are my views about spiritual or religious identity? And I do think spiritual and religious are different, so you should probably potentially you should you should should siphon those out what's my identity as a person who would want to be a parent what's my identity as a person who wants to be a child Uh, what are things throughout my life that I have struggled with so have I had a relationship with depression for most of my life or since a particular time or instance in my life have I struggled with anxiety uh, what, how did it manifest? Were you the tragic, what I like to call the tragic A minus student, where if you got anything um, below an A or an A plus, uh, you began just uh, putting out there all of the, the ways in which you are a failure in life. So do you struggle with anxiety? Do you struggle with depression? Uh, what kind of relationship did you have with your mom? What kind of relationship did you have with your dad? Uh, what you essentially want to know and, and I'll get to the moral of the story with my client and how we were able to break down that some of the work that she was desiring to make her husband's, it, it really did boil down to being her work in a lot of ways. It was undoubted that the future husband had his own work to do. And undoubtedly, if it wasn't addressed, um, that it was there's a good chance that there's going to be some major turmoil to navigate within that that marriage but for the, for the sake of what we were processing that particular session this was my client trying to transfer an ongoing battle with anxiety onto her partner and so what she did was she she pulled the wife card and it did something inside of me like as my client is talking about pulling the wife card well this is who he is supposed to be Uh, as he becomes my husband, and I fear that I'm going to end up doing everything. Wow, well, that that is pretty cheerful. Why would I want to get married if, um, if I feel like I I just like took on more of a child than than a partner? That's a tough, that would be a tough thing to sign up for. And I think some of you out there are listening, thinking that is what I signed up for. I mean, that's what I'm walking in and realizing that's what's happening. That's a fair argument. But what was going on here, as I would ask the question, I really did ask the question, can you tell me what it means for your husband to be the leader he's supposed to be? She would unpack for me uh, things such as, well, he needs to be able to make the decisions and he needs to be able to plan better and he needs to direct us in our financial journey or financial accountability And what my client was saying was that, long story short, you weren't in the session, but what I'm going to tell you was happening was my client was actually beginning to ruminate and project her anxiety onto all of the elements that will most certainly be impacted by her marriage. And I think she was trying to cultivate elements of control to help her to help her cope with not knowing what it was going to be like to be in a partnership versus being a single individual. I had to have this very candid conversation with my client and it went like this. Listen, you don't know 
what it's going to look like for you to be married. And you don't know if the things you fear are struggles for your husband are struggles. If, if it's a concern that you have, I, I recommend that you hold off on moving forward in your partnership uh, until you have the answers to the questions that feel best for you. But, but a lot of times, like, there are just certain things that we can't know how they are going to shake out until we're actually in the motion of these things happening in real time. And that's the issue with anxiety. The, the issue with anxiety is we continue to project onto circumstances for the future that we know to a degree certain things are going to happen, but we begin predicting, assuming we can protect ourselves from something happening in a certain kind of way. And also, uh, especially when it comes to a partnership of some sort, we begin projecting onto another person the work that they need to do in order to keep us from having to do the, the work ourselves. And I'm like, okay, are you getting married so you can stay a child? Or are you getting married so you can be a partner to your partner? And she paused. And she had to reflect on that. I think that sometimes as women, and uh, you know, I'll warn you, like this might be one of those sessions that uh, people walk away angry, but we have to get to a place where we can acknowledge that discomfort and anger doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't have an opportunity to process and grow. And so we have to be able to, like it's not all sunshine conversations. We have to be able to tolerate certain hard introspective conversations. What I wanted my client to understand is that sometimes as women, we really take away from men the permission to also be vulnerable. We want vulnerability for men. Uh, we want that from our men. And you don't believe me? Be a therapist for, be a therapist to only women for two months and what you are going to see is a pretty common theme of what women emotionally need from their husbands. And yet part of the issue is that we keep perpetuating the story that they have to be, um, they have to be things that aren't vulnerable. If I'm saying to you, you have to be the leader of my household. Well, then as the husband, I'm probably not going to turn to you with my vulnerabilities of what makes me feel nervous about the charge you're asking me to take as the singular leader of the home. That, don't, that just feels like a single parent relationship. Women, if, if we want to do this work, if we're going to start pressing for our autonomous permission to live out womanhood in any context we want, we have to be willing to process our stuff. Uh, so, so that being said, I want to encourage you you know, I, I started this podcast saying that uh, every, most of us want to experience change. Very few of us want to move. If we project onto other people the work that we want for them to do to keep us safe and comfortable and unchallenged, we are not going to change. We're just going to cultivate realms of control and we're going to start buying into the myth of control that it's going to garner a result that we're hoping to see in our lives. This is not conducive to autonomous wellness. In our partnerships, in our tribes, in our communities, 
we should be breaking down the idea of consistently being told what to do and where to go in that idea, that concept of being led by others. We have to start breaking that down. Um, There are times when people mentor me, but likewise, there are times when I'm called upon to mentor others. And that's not just people that are younger than me. That's not just other females. I mentor many, many individuals. And I venture to say that you desire the same, um, that same respect of being asked for leadership. Who doesn't want that? I mean, like if you look at the data out there, some people will take a job that pays little only because it has a title that appears to be important. We all value being valued. What I want to encourage you to think about, if today's a relational tribal day, be reflective on what you tend to ask of others in your relational world and the things you are willing to be asked of yourself from others that helps you to contribute to the the greater system. Um, this is going to be very monumental in you understanding that exchange of egalitarian movement and autonomy. Because I'm autonomous doesn't mean I'm selfish. Because I'm autonomous, I have the ability to understand what I have to offer and what I need to receive. And the more we can make space to not project on somebody else the changes we expect to see in them, And the control we expect them to hand over to us to hold, um, the the more we can trust and set other people free, and they will fail us, by the way. So, yep, that's a real fear. But the more we can lean into trust and out of control, the better we are going to grow in, um, in making space for the vulnerability that we keep asking of people. We can't keep as a society talking about this idea of vulnerability, but then building a system that contradicts it. So that is the message for today. It is allowing your own self to reflect on the changes you have to be willing to make within yourself and the way you see others and the space you are willing to give others to Uh, give you their vulnerability. So am I putting too much expectation on someone that they don't feel safe to give me their vulnerability because I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth? That is it for today. I hope that this was a helpful process for you. And this will be, this will mark the first session. We finally made it to the first session in which I want to remind you, please get online. If you continue to listen to these messages of attachment and systems work and tribes, please be sure to either like or subscribe to my pages so we can start those open collaborative conversations. You can find me universally across Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter at The Bind Podcast. And I believe on all of my social media, my name is also on there, Andrea Eriks. So you can, you can know it's me and not something false, which I don't know why somebody would replicate my work, but um, people do interesting things. So please follow me, please like me. And the more that that happens, the more I can start doing that integrative work. Always ask me questions if you have a question, um, because I will, I will happily get on there. I love this. Um, Relationships really are my passion. 
and um, and you really probably will not ask me anything that surprises me uh, because I am willing to go into the places that are difficult just as well as the places that are, are easier to trek. So be well, everybody. I hope you have a great week and I will talk to you again next week. Thank you. <laughs>